This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. From Christianity Today, I'm Sandra McCracken, and this is The Slow Work. We are all creatives at heart, no matter what career or calling we find ourselves in. Inspiration can happen in a second, but the work of creativity only happens when we're patient enough to stay with it. It takes grit to see it through. I love hearing what this looks like for musicians, poets, painters, writers, and advocates. So, I've been talking to them, and I want to invite you to listen in. As you do, I hope that your faith story gets tangled up in your work story and that your creative mind would be renewed by hope and possibility. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. I'm Azure, producer of The Slow Work. Thanks so much for tuning in. In this episode, Sandra talks to singer, songwriter, and producer Dave Barnes. Dave has written songs for Carrie Underwood, Blake Shelton, Reba McIntyre, Tim McGraw, Lady A, and many more. He's also released eight of his own albums, won a Dove Award in 2018 for his song Wash by the Water, and has been making audiences laugh all along the way. Dave hosts the popular and hilarious podcast Dadville with John McLaughlin, and his Instagram feed is full of his daily musings and funny characters, including music minister Brother Pastor Phil. In this conversation, Sandra and Dave dig deep into what it means to do creative work with both longevity and humility. We hope you love this one as much as we do. Yes, I see. I like that it also tells you actual recording is higher quality, which sort of feels like maybe a spiritual <laughs> theme, isn't it? Can we take something from that? It is, yeah. What is happening in life dimension. is actually much more profound and in-depth than we think it is. See what it did there? It's going to be so much better later. <laughs> That's, there's, the, there's the takeaway. There's the takeaway. <laughs> uh, that we'll preach mm. this morning. Uh, Dave, thanks so much for coming and uh, being part of the Slow Work Podcast. Glad thanks. to have you. Well, I've been sending you money in the mail every week <laughs> until you finally let this happen. And so I'm just we relieved. We have sent so many invitations and I find this is like winning, this is like winning the, the Dave Barnes lottery. <laughs> yeah, right there's now. no such thing. Nobody wants here. to be in the Dave Barnes lottery. That is, let me tell oh, you, zero I, people want into that lottery. No, <laughs> there is a long line, a line mm. down and Don't around the do block. That. Don't you do that. Did you grow up like when you were a kid? You so I did you grew grow up in. <laughs> well, actually, that's let's talk about that. I'm not sure that's true. Actually, that I did grow up. <laughs> okay, so you were born in South Carolina, yeah. is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then grew up in the South, mm-hmm. moved to Mississippi. Yep. Did you want to be a songwriter? Was that the dream? I mean, you do a lot of different jobs within being <laughs> Dave Barnes. Like, what was the part? Like, what was the the dream for you? Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's funny. I mean. Yeah. What a great question. Um, I think I initially just sort of assumed I would do something in the church because my dad did, you know, and I really enjoyed the church. Like I wasn't a kid that grew up hating going, uh, and I'm a, I'm a pretty extreme extrovert, which has a lot to do with that. I just love being around people, Mm -hmm. but I think I always thought I'd be like a youth director or something, you know? And then as I got older, you know, kind of like my early teen years, I just kept gravitating toward creative things. Like I drew a lot. I loved comic books when I was young. And so I'd draw oh, wow. and do that kind of stuff. And then, um, 
then as music got introduced to me, that was like a whole different drug. Cause I've, I've played drums in the marching band growing up. And then dad, and mom got me, a, um, a kit, a drum kit when I was probably 13 or 14. And that was like this whole thing. Cause I lived in this town of 8,000 people where I didn't know anybody that played an instrument except for like a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't guitars. It was drums. Wow. I didn't know that was your entry. Yeah. And so one of my most succinct memories is hearing kind of music for the first time. I mean, I'd listen to music, obviously I'm a human, but Never in the way that it impacted me. I was at a friend's house. This is the most random story, but he had one of those Time Life CDs, you know, like the best of 78. <laughs> oh my gosh, and, yes. uh, and I put it on the stereo and I'm telling you, Sandra, I put it on and I just stood in front of the stereo. I was probably 14. And the music that was coming out for some reason hit me so different than the first 14 years. And I, I mean, my parents have great taste in music, so I listen to great music. But there was something about that moment, like Dust in the Wind was on that CD, American Woman, uh, More Than a Feeling by Boston. And it, was, and I don't, it wasn't even that I love that. I can see it all scrolling that. right now. I can see the <laughs> <Yeah>. advertisement just <laughs> oh like God. going up. Yeah. I can see all these names oh, yeah, yeah. in these if songs. If you like America, Kansas. <laughs> um, but, but it just, it got in me. Like it just got yeah. into me. And I left that day different. I remember thinking, whatever that is, I have to be a part of that. And so I started playing drums and that was kind of my gateway, you know, drug into later being a singer songwriter, but there was definitely a creative bit. I mean, my mom and dad, and even being on stage, like I did a lot of skits and stuff growing up. And so okay, that's, it was all yeah. on the wall. So, I think anybody so the, that knew, the entertainer part, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they would have seen like, yeah, this kid's either going to be in jail or on a stage <laughs> or maybe both. Um, <laughs> maybe but, both. <laughs> but I think, you know, to your point, it's really tricky growing up in a small town because there's just not opportunity. Again, that's why I love Nashville is because yeah. you have an idea, there's a chance to fulfill that idea. And so I think there it was tricky because you couldn't dream like that. It was like, what are you going to do with that? You know, where does that go? Um, well, you know, it's interesting you talk about the limitation. Like you're in a place where there aren't very many opportunities, but then it caused that little seed of creativity mm-hmm. and expression and possibility mm-hmm. to just continue to like – basically burst the seams, you know, you weren't able to do that very much there, but that allowed it to just kind of overflow. Right. It's interesting that so many times that starts in a place where it's not Mm. so readily available. Yeah. Well, you know, too, I think the thing that's beautiful about that story, if I can say that, which is weird maybe, but I think one, it it shows that God really does accomplish his plans. Like I think, you know, my dad and I laugh so much about this. I mean, he brings it up almost every time he comes to a show, but it's just like, who would have thought you would have ever done this, you know, as a kid growing up mm-hmm. in this tiny town. And just to see that God yeah. was like, Hey, I've kind of got this thing for you to do. And, and he accomplished all those things. So it's great because it's not something I ever am like, check me out. I mean, on bad days I try and it doesn't work, but you know, I think that's yeah. one thing, but I think too, especially in Mississippi, if you look at the talent that state has produced, you know, Eudora mm-hmm. Welty for poetry, Tennessee Williams for playwright. The music, blues was born in Mississippi. Pop music yeah. arguably was born in Mississippi. And so I do think there is something about limitations that make us extra creative. And I yeah. think that's why sometimes when we get comfortable, it's so hard to continue to be creative because there's nothing you're pressing against or trying to figure your way out of. And so mm-hmm. in some ways, I think that beginning in a space like that can be the most powerful thing because you have to give so much energy to it. And I, I wonder if you feel this way. It's one of the things so interesting about living in Nashville is you have people that play music and they write music and they do it. And then you have people who really love and do it. 
you know? And I think <laughs> for me, one of the reasons I love to do it so much is because it's from where I came from. It's like, it's all I had. It was this passion of mine. It wasn't a luxury. It was a necessity, you know? I can feel that sometimes in writing rooms. I'm like, oh, okay, you like light music and you think it's cool. It's air to me. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it is, it is the, it is what it's, I, it's, it's the water I swim in, you know? And so, yeah. I think some of that is because of the way I grew up. I, it, it just wasn't there. And so I appreciate it in a very different way than I think some people that it is so easily accessible to, you know. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. I've been a walking heartache, I've made a mess of me The person that I've been lately ain't who I wanna be But you stay here right beside me, watch as the storm blows through And I need you God gave me you for the ups and downs God gave me you for the days of doubt For when I think I lost my way There are no words here left to say it's true God gave me you What you're talking about is really interesting because I one of my favorite podcasts, Malcolm Gladwell, has the revisionist history. There's this one King of Tears. Have you re- listened to this? But yes, it's, about it's the, amazing. It's from a few yes. years ago about the country songs. And he goes through and said, the top 20 country songs of all time, all of the performers are from Arkansas, Virginia, Alabama, yeah. Texas, Mississippi, Georgia. Yeah. I mean, literally all of these Southern states. So so he he says basically you cannot be a successful country singer songwriter if you're not from the South. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I kind of love. Yeah. <laughs> This analysis of it. But I mean, I guess part of that is storytelling. Mm-hmm. I mean, was songwriting, the, songwriting was later for you. So first it was music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when did it come into this space of storytelling and songwriting? When I was at MTSU, uh, right before I started listening okay. to Sandra McCracken um, all the time. <laughs> it, it, it really is, uh, it's a story I love to tell because it is, again, it's just God's handiwork. It's just so much of his weird orchestration of things to accomplish his wonderful, bizarre will. But like, I was at MTSU and my roommate had a guitar. I toyed with them in high school. I didn't really play much because I was a drummer and I saw myself as such. I was like, you know, I'm a drummer. That's what I do. And that's what I was at school to do. So I started playing on that. And you know, Sandra, I don't know if you were like this, but I feel like the way people get into being singer-songwriters is, or, or, or even just into guitar is like, especially our generation would have been like, you know, you're listening to a lot of John Mayer, or Dave Matthews, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, Indigo Girls or whatever, someone who's a little more guitar-centric, you're trying to learn them. You know, you're like sitting down mm-hmm. going, yeah. okay, how do I get this? 
voicing and, and, um, you know, yeah, trying on the songs. Trying on the songs. Yeah. For me, I don't know why. I have no clue other than just God's sort of weird handiwork and the way he made me. But the first thing I want to do is write songs. I had no pedigree for that. I was in a band in high mm-hmm. school that was a wonderful, cheesy Christian band, but where I'd like written some poems <laughs> and we had put them to music, but I, I wasn't songwriting. That was more just like, you know, stuff I would do. And then my guitar player would be like, hey, I put a melody to this and now it's a song. And it was like, cool. So I had a little bit of an idea of sort of how that worked, but yeah. I would just get his guitar and he was kind enough to let me play it when he was at class and stuff. And I would just start writing songs. I have no idea why, mm. no idea. But the big aha moment for me was I'd started writing and I was like, Ooh, this is lightning, whatever this thing is. Like <laughs> this feeling is just like crack cocaine. And I had a, a class that got canceled. I was in the mass communication building in MTSU and they had a mass comm library that had all of these magazines and books just about kind of music. And they had a magazine called performing songwriter. And I remember going over and going, Oh, like, what's this? And started reading it. And I ended up not only sitting there for that hour, but I skipped the next class because I was like, this is me. These are my people. Cause you know, I do those things that you do and every writer does where I like find myself in the front yard of my apartment pacing because I couldn't figure out a lyric. And I'm like, how'd I get out here? You know what I mean? Like, you know, those things. Yeah. And then I'd read where Paul Simon does that. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's like a language and a, and a thing and a rhythm to this thing, you know? He's masterful at that. Just that being able to weave in tangible, very literal images like the Mississippi Delta shining like a national guitar. Unbelievable. Opening a line. You know, you're just singing, you're in the room with it immediately. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was really kind of a jumping off point for me of going like, oh, this is a thing. I just didn't have friends at the time where I was like, hey, do you ever write songs for yourself? And who are you trying to sound like? Or who are you? So for me, I just found community in the pages of this magazine. And so I just devoured it. I was obsessed with Hmm. this little world of people that felt like I did. And that was really when I realized like, oh, this is, there's something in me that is in other people too. And this is what they do. They turn into artists. Yeah. And so that was really where Mm -hmm. I started to go, oh, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to see if I can make this work. And then didn't really play drums as much after that. Started playing shows and just kind of seeing if I could do it and, and then here we are. <laughs> That's what's really interesting about you're kind of a mix of things in all these aspects of your work. One, that you're not just a writer, but also a singer. And so you're able to write the country song that somebody can sing and give voice to that. God Made Me use still one of my favorites, yeah. just hearing that yeah. and just Blake Shelton's version, but mm-hmm. also your own version. And I think being able to live in both of those spaces gives you a lot of flexibility to kind of live in different Well, and, seasons, and in some maybe. ways that, that, that is where I began before I realized I could write songs for myself. I thought, Oh, I'll write songs for other people. Oh wow, It's, uh-huh. un, it's such a cool thing that now I sort of took this full circle, you know, to where I can not only write yeah. songs for myself, but get back to where I started, which is writing for other people, you know, trying to right. give voice to things I feel in hopes that other people would sing them. It's still something I do. I don't do it as much as I used to, but I still do write for other people. And it's just, I mean, you know, it's such a different muscle. I mean, like when you're writing a hymn and you're really thinking like, yeah, I'm sure I'll sing this, but I want other people to sing this. You just, you have to, it's just different. You have to think differently, you know? Yeah. I do think singing with my kids has really helped me think about like what makes a song more singable, like in a hymn context. But then if I'm just trying to express or tell a story about my experience or what I'm the moment that I'm in or someone else's experience, I'm really trying to convey emotion, Yeah, you know, just yeah. trying to get something across. And 
I think that's what comes through in your songs. They are songs that other people could wear and, and share the experience, but they are still really stories that seem personal to you. Yeah. Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Absolutely. That I mean, seem- I've had to learn a lot of lessons in the professional writing world, which, I mean, you know, I could talk about this for hours, but consolidate. I think one of the things is um, I'm writing with somebody today. Like I, I used to go into rooms like today and I'd go, okay, how can I sort of insert myself into this moment? How what What is the mm-hmm. Dave Barnes way of saying this? Or what is the way that I would do these voicings or chord changes yeah. or and I've just kind of learned like it doesn't work for me well that way. If I kind of walk in trying mm-hmm. to be more of a servant and help serve the moments, it just goes better. And and I think a lot yeah. of that was my insecurity slash pride of feeling like, well, I want to know that at the end of the day, I had something that I offered to it or, you know, somebody can listen to it and go, yeah, classic Dave Barnes chorus, you know. <laughs> Have your fingerprints yeah, on Yeah, I don't think it's as necessary anymore. I, and I think a lot of that is alleviated, like a lot of that pressure is taken off because of my own music and because I still can yeah. go somewhere, you know, my own records where I do that, where I get as weird and wonderful and all the things I want to do is it takes the pressure off those days where I'm like, we really just want to have three chords and it be really fun and singable. And that's wonderful. Yeah, Let's do that. Right. You know, and you're helping to draw out somebody else's story. That's right. Kind of that's the, right. The midwife. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's like helping something come to life. Yeah. It's, it's a very bibliocentric idea. Like, how how can mm-hmm. I serve this moment and and help it be better through my service as opposed to imposing myself and my sort of need to feel whatever it is in that moment, you know? And then there's times yeah. where somebody's like, hey, no, what would you do? Like, tell me, where's the melody in your head right now? And it's like, oh, okay, well, if you want to know, that's this is what I would do. But uh, I think as I get older, I'm like, I just want to help, whatever that looks like yeah. today. If that's steering the ship, that's awesome. If it's just kind of making sure everything's together and nothing's falling apart, you know, that's great too. Yeah. Like that it, that it holds. Yeah. That it there you like, go. There you go. It's going to float. The beginning, a middle, yeah. and an ending. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, your newest album, Remembering Greatest Hits, kind of like what you're talking about because you get this bird's eye view of all these songs over many years. What was the oldest song? Like how many years I mean, that? I, the collection uh, span? Grace's Amazing Hands, I wrote, I think, my senior year of college. Um, oh, my gosh. I love it. That's old. Do they feel like – well, I love it because, I mean, those are always my favorite yeah. performances, just getting to hear you and the songs yeah. and then whatever story comes to life about that. Does it feel like when you're putting that collection together, is it like looking through an old oh photo album? Gosh. Does it feel like it just continues to tell new stories about these songs? What a great question, first of all. You know, it's funny making that record and I'm not trying to be cheesy here, but it's true. And and you set me up. So it's your fault to say this, but um, (laughs) I got so emotional, like singing some of those songs. And and I don't mean like Mm -hmm. teary. I did a couple of times, but just like so overwhelmed with gratitude. Like, I mean, you know this, you know this as well as I do, Sandra. It's like those early songs are what you built your career on. They are literally the foundation of your career. Like, and, and I think going back through them, I think I had a couple of emotions. One was, I'm just so thankful. Like, thank you, Lord, for these songs. Like, I want to feel like I didn't write them. That's the best place you can be. It's just a a sense of like, I was given something, you know? So that was one. And then the other thing was, I was like, man, these things really work. Like, you know, because I'm not sitting down thinking about those songs ever. I'm not like sitting them by myself in my backyard. (laughs) Like, let me just play this one for me. Um, You got a playlist of yourself when you're mowing the Yeah, that's exactly right. Gosh, I just (laughs) love me. My favorites. (laughs) Um, 
most played album of 20. Oh God. You know, your favorite artist was you. Um, but I think hearing them in that context, I was like, golly, I'm really proud of these songs. And this is a whole other tangent, but I'm working on this new record right now that was inspired by listening to the Beatles for a year. And Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. That's one awesome. of the lessons that I think I learned from them was variety and whimsy. And I think I was nervous because I was in the middle of writing that record when we recorded Remembering. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh man, I feel like I just know more things now. And playing through them, I was like, oh my gosh, I was doing those things even in my twenties without knowing that I was, or I had little interesting yeah. things every song. I'd be like, oh, I forgot I did that. Oh, it's cool yeah. that that's in there. And so it sounds weird, but I was kind of also relieved of just like, these really do stand up. Like I'm still really proud yeah, of sturdy. these songs. They're sturdy. Yeah. Which you would imagine they were, because if you can build a career on songs, you would hope they're sturdy. I mean, they're metaphorically, yeah. you know, they are the foundation. So you're building on them. They need to be sturdy, but yeah, sometimes we forget to like stop and look back and celebrate that. I mean, you mentioned that as like God writing our story. There's like a very old idea of the Ebenezer, mm, you know, in the Old yes, Testament was like, yes. okay, we're going to pile up a bunch of stones here so that we don't forget. And I think in some ways you have a long career like yours and each one of these songs is like a remembering of yes. someplace where, hey, this was like a moment where, like you said, God like channels something mm -hmm, to you. And mm -hmm. there's even in your earliest exposure to music, like there's some electricity. To well, that. you know what? I, I wonder if you feel this way too. I think the thing that is really tricky, I've never actually said this out loud. I think that's something that's really hard about being an artist is that when people think about me, they're thinking about me in the past. Hmm. When I think about myself, I'm thinking about myself in the, in the present. Future. And so there's always a disconnect right. when a fan comes up and they go, man, I love your stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about, I don't feel great <laughs> right now because I don't like the songs I'm writing right now. Or I feel unbelievable yeah. because I love what I'm writing. They're thinking, I only know you from what you've put out. And so I'm thinking, I yeah. like you because you've written all these songs back here. And so it's a really weird existence <laughs> because you're kind of living it's in two different warp. It's time warp. And maybe that's just true of being a human, actually. That's probably just true generally. But I do think for me, it can be a little bit of a hysterical rub because people are like, I love your music. And I'm like, oh, great. And I'm thinking like, oh, the last record or the one I just put it. And they're like, well, sure. <laughs> but I'm, and so I think, I think yeah. doing that record was helpful for me because I just don't think about those songs. I'm a future guy. Yeah, I'm always looking ahead. On. And so it just, this is cheesy, but it sort of made me sit down in that green pasture and go like, oh, wow. Like yeah, I have been right. provided for Like God, God has done this really cool thing and given me these songs and I'm still really proud of them. And, and it was just, it was yeah. so fun. It was like the greatest exercise in, in, uh, in Thanksgiving of just mm. sitting and singing through and playing them. And cause I'm, I'm not, th I'm thinking about all the songs I'm writing then or I'm about to or whatever, you know, I'm not thinking about song so it was, it was good to have to do that okay so your last studio album came out in 2020 which i love dreaming in electric Blue. oh yeah tons of nostalgia you produce the whole thing right like mm -hmm. so you're also doing all the behind the scenes stuff not just writing the songs mm -hmm. singing them but so i'd love to hear about like the process of that and if that was disrupted by the pandemic because of the timing 
but also to the point of what we're talking about, you have a song called Take Me Back to Nashville about being home. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine this came out in what, <laughs> during a <laughs> lockdown? Like, bro, you haven't like, been anywhere in six months. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> so there's also this natural, like, God sense of humor of like, uh, oh, yeah, you know what? You're going to have to wait on that one. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, that year was going to be an interesting year, too. I mean, I was going to be playing a lot of shows. I was actually going out with for King and Country doing these uh-huh. amphitheater things. And I was going to have this record out. It was going to be this whole thing. And then the pandemic hit, which was obviously disrupted some plans. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> you know, and I think everybody had some experience with this in our world where you put out music and then it just kind of had to live out there on its own without any sort of like backing, you know what I mean? Like there was yeah. no right. tour behind it. So it was, it was interesting. It felt like kind of throwing it into this cave or something or like into this big hole mm-hmm. in the ground and just kind of hoping it landed somewhere, you know, it was kind of terrifying. Cause it was like, well, I mean, I don't know. Is this, do people like this? And then you don't get the feedback. Yeah, you see like, oh, that song resonates. And this one is, okay, maybe not as much, whatever. Yeah. And it was just kind of like hoping people would be like, dude, love the album or love the song or that's the song that I keep mm-hmm. listening to or whatever. It, I agree. I can resonate with that. We want to hear back. We want we want mm-hmm. to know that what we're doing is meaningful and that it connects yeah. with other people. Because the nature of storytelling is the ability to share that with somebody else. And, yeah. you know, a song you can pick up on an acoustic guitar and sit around the fire those yeah. are the songs that yeah. you can actually take with you yeah. when you're just by yourself. There's no way to deny the power of live music. And I don't even mean for the crowd. Yeah. It's just for the performer. One, I think just to feel the energy of the crowd, the encouragement you get, just the feeling of finally the completion of a song cycle. You know, it's like yeah. you wrote it, you put it out, and now you see it do its thing in real time. But I also think it's this great divining ride of like, oh, that works in this setting or wow, that doesn't work in this setting, you know? And I think every time that I play shows, every single Mm -hmm. time, especially as I've gotten older, I'm like, man, that is so helpful Yeah, just on data yeah, just just to go, oh, okay, that new song kills in that setting or like, it's like a lightning rod. that new song's not there. Yeah. You just like stick it up in the sky and you're like, okay, I'm doing a science experiment to see if this one, if it works, if this one gives me a shock. Yes. Some sort of electrical, electrical shock. That's really true. And I would say it probably changes. So you're out this year with Lady A, is that right? Coming Mm -hmm. up? Yeah. Yeah. The size of the room and the type of production, does that change what electrifies a song? Yeah. I'm so excited about these shows that I'm not a big tour guy, but this is one I'm like, it's just me. And I wanted to anyway, do it just me. Cause I think there is something about that juxtaposition. That's really powerful. If you yeah. can pull it off where it's like the beacon theater, in New York, and then it's just me down there yeah. and it puts all the onus on me. And Ooh, I think love it. when it works, it's a double win because yeah. everybody's like, wow, he was able to really move me in this setting with just what he's got. Yeah. I love that challenge one, but it does make me kind of go like, okay, w- what works here? Like what is going to be the stuff that really can keep people's attention for 30 or 40 minutes that I'm out there. And then you learn really quickly, like that one, not so much. And then the next one, yes. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> there's so many variables to it in touring because I mean, literally sleep and travel and mm. weariness and all those things play into your energy level. And then sometimes I've noticed yeah. like after a show, if I feel like I just totally didn't connect, I feel like it felt flat. Mm. And then some of my conversations after with people, 
there's mm. just like people have really been moved and there's not yeah. always the correlation that I think it's not always one-to-one. Like if I feel yeah, great about right. it, that's it's, right. it was really great. <laughs> and then uh, I'm yeah. sure that's true inversely too. When I feel really great, I'm sure there's like, it's oh, like, yeah. wow, you were yeah. consistently sharp in that entire song. Like <laughs> you could, <laughs> can somebody fix your monitors so you could hear, cause you couldn't hear, you know, whatever we, we don't always know. And it reminds me of a moment we were, talking a couple years ago, right at the end of the pandemic shutdown, and you were about to do your first set of shows, like it's this first time after a long break and Mm. people were nervous about coming back out to live shows in general. Yeah. Yeah. You were such a magnetic performer. Oh my gosh. Everybody loves Dave. Everybody's talking about it before and after like this experience of seeing you play live. But yet when I was talking to you, we were standing all the kids were playing at the bouncy houses at church, remember? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we were talking about this weird coming yeah. out of pandemic life yeah. and you were able to say like, there's still self-doubt. Mm. And I think it's important for people to hear that in creative work from somebody like you that it seems so effortless. Mm. Are there things that help you to f- tell the truth to yourself about mm. when you're not getting the feedback or when you're getting feedback you don't want to hear, like what are the yeah. things that you do that help you to feel the confidence to take creative risks when you're unsure about putting something out in the world that hmm. you might wonder how it's going to be received? That man, I think one of the biggest, one of the trickiest things as I've gotten older is, and I'm going to try not to turn this into a TED talk because I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> Bring it. Is we'll just do like a part two. <laughs> yeah, there we <laughs> go. Totally just like six segment. hours later, and that in conclusion. <laughs> To answer your bring some snacks. 30 second question. I think for me, the thing that I'm learning about what we do in artistry as musicians and singer songwriters is that traditionally it's more like an athletic career. And what I mean by that is this, a guy goes to the NFL, a really good career in the NFL, an incredible career is 15 years, right? Where you Mm. play from like whatever, 21 to mid thirties. And those are very few, but most are about 10 years, you know? Yeah. I think that's actually uh, on an average, that's about what music is, right? Mm -hmm. Because most of the power of music is based on novelty and reminiscing. (laughs) And so it's it's just hard to be cool for a long time because you're not novel you're wow, not new anymore you're, you're you're a known so entity right and so i think what happens is everybody's always talking about the new things it's very rare that an artist can stay really relevant over a long period of time mm-hmm. uh, and i think the ones that do sacrifice a lot to do it i think about taylor swift has kind of been that but i think there's a lot of things about her life i don't envy you know right. just what she's had to give up to do that but I think people have a way of of connecting. I actually saw a study on this that was so helpful to the way I think about it. But we attach, you know, memories to music, and that's the music that means the most to us. Mm. And so I think what happens is, and it's why when people go, I love your music, they actually mean probably my first two or three records mm. where I'm thinking, what about the new stuff? And that's no slight on me or them. It's just that's that they really are attached true. to those music the most. And so I think we have this weird job where I've never been better at what we do than right now. Like my 10,000 hours, I'm at 20,000 hours, right? (laughs) But it's never been less interesting because people, I do think, have sort of a capacity for your music. And then they're sort of like, good. They're sort of like, it's great, but I kind of got what I need from you in a weird way, you know? And so I think um, we just have a weird task ahead of us, which is to continue to create things that are compelling and heartfelt, but also novel, which is just, I love the challenge. There's, it's, it's, 
it has become my favorite thing about doing this 20 years in, but it's also wildly frustrating because I want people to come up and talk about my new music, but they're probably going to want to talk about my oldest music. And so there's no better proof than if you go see any artist that's been around for longer than 10 years, 20 years, they're not playing their new music and they have it. They have new music. They are not playing it live, you know. And <laughs> so it, it's apologizing for it when they yeah start yeah it. yeah like, exactly. Sorry, and guys, so I think we're gonna play the songs you want to hear. So this later. is a new one. Just let us get. This is for us, and then we'll get back to the meat for real. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's all there. All the writing is on the wall when you get into this as a career. But I think it's kind of been it snuck up on me in ways that I don't think I was ready for. And there's grief around that for me. So to answer the end of your question, where to find joy in that thing is just really realizing one. It's a lot of prayer. Honestly, it's of remembering who I am. God has made me perfectly yeah. to be who I am and in the way I am. That doesn't rest on how people receive the product of what I do. Um, yeah. That's not, I can't do that. But I just get so much joy from making music. I get so much joy. And if I can keep it there yeah. in the creation and that just magic moment when you're, you yeah. finally figured the song out, you know, and you're playing it down for the first time and you know it's right. That's where I try to live and leave the rest mm-hmm. to the Lord. And you know, too, Sandra, I think about this a lot, too. I think music has a lot of talk about the slow work. I mean, it's all right there. It's like I think about Paul McCartney a lot this way. Like he put a lot of music at the time that people were like, what are you doing? Yeah, like, they what didn't is understand this? it. You know, but let me tell you right now. People look back and they go, that's one of the best records ever put out. Catching but at the time, up. They People were like, gonna, yeah, they're going to catch up to it. And so I think I heard John Mayer talk about this, and I think it's really true. I think you just got to do the task set before you. And sometimes that means people are going to love it immediately. And sometimes it's going to be 10 years from now. They go, you know, a record I can't stop listening to of yours was that record four records ago. Yeah. And you're like, like really? The and like, one, yeah, it's like the quiet the hidden one. one. The, and so the paper, I think, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's boat. also just about legacy. You know, it's also about mm-hmm. just kind of going, I'm just trying to build this Being. body of work that people can enjoy as they see fit. And, and it doesn't need to be quite as steeped in the time that it's released, you know, but just trust that I'm doing what I'm called to right now. And I'm just adding to that and letting. And then that ties in with their life and the story and the way mm-hmm. that God works all these like he weaves things together between people, yeah. Which yeah. is, I love that, and I love that when we travel and we get to hear those stories. Because one day, I think we are going to hear those stories. Like we're going to all just sit back and just realize all the threads of intersection between our lives. Yeah. yeah. But you bring up a really good point. And it kind of goes back to thinking about even people like your dad or people that are like preach a sermon every week, and mm. the idea of nostalgia and novelty. That's also mm. something that they're up against you know, mm-hmm. but their work is I'm just going to show up yeah. and I'm going to show up every morning in the quiet and wait for God to do something new. Mm-hmm. And I think not to overlay that, but the pushback on these lifetime artists that have like, they've been going for so many decades, mm-hmm. you know, is that there's always something new happening. And I really do think God is always doing something new. And some of it may be commercially successful at a moment and some of it might not, but the faithfulness to show up as an artist, like you've been doing for so long mm. is really like, that's what you're clocking in to do today. When you go to your co-writer, you're just like, mm. yeah, all right, what do we got? You know? And well, in a weird way too, it is redemptive work. It's, I get closer to God doing my job. Mm. I really do. And so if that is all that comes from it, that's, that's right. all that's God needs joy. to come from it. That's the joy. As I get older, I really, it takes so much prayer for me to get there, but I can get there every now and then of like, Mm -hmm. man, today I wrote a song that I loved and recorded it. 
and I am so excited about it. And that may be the end of it. Man, that really may be that's the end right. Of it. And God looks down in the economy of the gospel and the kingdom of heaven. God is like, that's worth a million, like heaven bucks. Way to go, man. High five. <laughs> you know, oh but gosh. on this side of, you know, but on this side heaven of, of heaven, it may be worth five real dollars, you know, <laughs> where I get my Spotify check and I'm like, boy, that didn't resonate. <laughs> but I think that's just not, you know, that's not the world. That's not the playground I get to play in. Yeah, I just have man. to trust that, you know, man. God is doing his thing, you know so grateful both for the time today yeah. and just for Thanks. the work that you've done for so many years just being being true to what God's made you to do and it's just um, it's fun to watch the Dave Barnes Empire I'm just grateful <laughs> just yeah so good to be with you friend <laughs> same same take care lately I'm so tired of leaving maybe I've been gone too long this time Cause the songs aren't as strong as the reasons Why I have to always say goodbye Every time I'm leaving I leave a part behind So take me back to Nashville Wherever turn I make is taking me back home take me back to nashville where every smile i see is someone else i know it heals my heart when nothing else will take me back to The Slow Work is a production of Christianity Today. Executive produced by Mike Cosper. Produced by Nazare Phelps. Edited and mixed by Dan Phelps. Original music by Tyler Chester. Graphic design by Chris Bennett. And I'm your host, Sandra McCracken. Thanks again for listening.